Thank you for joining us today for the Christ First Podcast. I am so excited for our podcast today. We have Becky Pepito with us. We will be discussing the importance of knowing our true, most authentic identity, which is being a child of God. Becky has a business and program that is dedicated solely to helping women and men build this knowledge and this foundation through spiritual exercises and also um, how her clients can best accentuate um, their natural God-given features, love their bodies, and treat their bodies as the treasure that they are. If you have listened to this podcast very much, you will learn quickly that I am very passionate about this topic. Knowing our true identity as our Heavenly Father has declared will trump our identity that the world would have us claim. I think having this knowledge is one that is the hardest to obtain in this life. I believe this is one that the adversary works the hardest on. And why is that? Because he knows how powerful this knowledge is. So to start off, I want to ask you, in the day we live in, why is it so crucial to know our true identity as children of God? As I thought about that specific question, it made me think of the scripture that is in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And I really feel that having our roots, our foundation in Jesus Christ and understanding our divinity, that we come from God, that we are his creation, that we are his children, helps us from being tossed back and forth by what the world wants us to see ourselves as or what the adversary does. And the world's opinion changes so frequently. It's very fluid. Um, And if we aren't grounded in that truth, that we are divine daughters and sons of God, then we, we do get lost. We get confused. And when we when we let into that confusion and that fear, then the Spirit of God can't dwell with us. And so for to answer that question, I just think it's important to know who we are so throughout the rest of life we can live like daughters and sons of God and that we can influence others to know their their place in this world as well and for eternity. But what the world is teaching us about who we are is very temporary. And the Lord teaches that there's nothing unto him that is not spiritual. There's not a difference between temporal and spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And so I do use the word when when talking about my business and teaching clients, I use the word learning to be your authentic self, um, which is great because it brings people in. They want to understand what their authentic self is, but they don't quite understand that we're going to discuss yeah, your authentic self is a daughter of God. And when you know all that, everything else falls into place. And and I've it's been a favorite of mine to to bring so many women to that knowledge and to see their whole life change when they when they know that truth because I know that's what it did for me as well. Yeah. I both hate and love that 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 phrase, you know, finding your most authentic self because it is like confusing. And but when you bring it back into those terms, it truly gives you that power that the adversary doesn't want us to have. Um, So let's back up a little bit and talk um, 
a little bit about um, your program. And um, so I guess just um, tell tell us a little bit about your your journey onto finding this path of developing in this program that you have. Yes. So it goes back a ways. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we, got, we got time. So um, in high school, um, I started down paths that were different than what I had learned my whole life from my parents. And it was a really important lesson for me to learn that when I deviated from the gospel of Jesus Christ and made choices that were not aligned with his gospel, that I did feel so much sadness, fear, and confusion. And it was through the repentance process that I began to understand God was a really loving God. Repentance wasn't a terrible thing. It wasn't a punishment. It was so merciful and so beautiful. And that's when I first began to recognize that only a father could offer that in the way that God did. And a brother who would sacrifice everything for me. And and so as I went through life, you know, I had ups and downs. I've had lots of ups and downs. One of my um, my earthly struggles is mental illness. And after the birth of my second son, I was in one of the deepest, darkest um, phases of that mental illness. And but I had felt this desire to to come un- into myself again. Like I need to really focus on me. I've been lost in serving others, which is a great thing, but I need to have my foundation first before I can really help others. And so I started um, into helping other women first with makeup. And I wanted to have a retreat where other women could come to start feeling confident about themselves again. And, and to have it Christian based. And so I started looking for, um, a speaker to come to my retreat that I hadn't yet developed, (laughs) but I just felt really called to do so. And when researching, I came across a book called confident beauty, reflecting the one who made you with the images in the mirror and in your soul by a woman named Katrina Welch, who is a Christian image consultant and author. And I ordered that book and I got that book and I read it as fast as I could. And throughout the whole book, it teaches how we are all created differently, uniquely, but all beautifully. And just, it goes throughout the scriptures and the Bible specifically teaching about how Christ used all of these women in so many different ways to bring people into the gospel. And because they were created in their own uniqueness, he used that. And my my whole world changed. I started finding my confidence in Christ instead of confidence in what I looked like or my achievements, because I had recently um, broken both my feet and I was no longer able to dance. And that was a huge struggle for me. My body changed, my mental health declined, and I felt like I'd lost part of my identity that I had had for 20 something years. And I wanted to change everything about myself, my hair color, what I wore, what I looked like, because I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't okay with who I was. And when I read that book and I read the scriptures that talked about being created in God's image, I realized I was created perfectly by a perfect creator. And I, 
I was going to ask Katrina Welch to come speak at my retreat, but I just felt such a call to do what she did and to help other women come to love themselves, love their bodies through understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ and to let go of past hurts and pains that come um, from the world and even sometimes people who are close to us as well. And so I, I learned this, I learned to um, teach her program and then I became a certified Christian image and life coach as well to continue on spreading the message of God loving us and creating us perfectly. Um, and because image can be a really vain thing, like what we look like can feel very vain, um, we use image as a vehicle to finding Christ. So it's not necessarily what clothes we wear, what makeup we wear, what we look like, but as we take care of and cherish our bodies, then, and we forget about what we look like, we can go out and do God's work better. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, from general conference in 2016, elder Donald Hallstrom shared some quotes that I love. But he says, here on earth, we identify ourselves in many different ways, including our place of birth, our nationality, and our language. Some even identify themselves by their occupation or their hobby. These earthly identities are not wrong unless they supersede or interfere with our eternal identity, that being a son or daughter of God. And I love this so much because I feel like we do get so distracted and and, you know, trying to find our identity and our, our most authentic self. And I got wrapped up in that just about a year ago. And it seemed like that was just like a buzz phrase. And it was really going around in, in our family. And I'm like, who's my most authentic self? Like when you take away like my experiences and my traumas and everything, like who, who am I? Who is the like childlike Carly? And I, I came up with this list of like qualities that I once possessed that I don't really feel like I have anymore. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like I really am those things because I've had these experiences that have shaped me. And it eventually got to the point where I was like, this is so confusing and this doesn't really make sense. And I realized that is the adversary trying to distract me from my true most authentic self, which is a daughter of God. And, um, and how important that is for everyone in the world. And it's like, we all try to find those qualities or those things about ourselves that, um, that explain us, but we often miss that most foundational mark. Um, he goes on to say in this talk, um, a correct understanding of our heavenly heritage is essential to exaltation. And I love that so much and how comforting that is to remember throughout everything we go through. And he says, when difficult things occur in our lives, what is our immediate response? Is it confusion or doubt or spiritual withdrawal? Is it a blow to our faith? Do we blame God or others for our circumstances? Or is it our first response to remember who we are, that we are children of a loving God? Is that coupled with an absolute trust that he allows some earthly suffering because he knows it will bless us like a refiner's fire to become like him and gain our eternal inheritance? And I love that he poses that those questions. Um, and my question to you is, 
throughout your experiences in life and throughout your program, what are things that we can do to make this when we experience those trials and those heartaches? What are those things that we can do in order to strengthen that reflex to continually come back to our foundation of being a child of God? So I am a huge proponent of prayer and much of my family's chagrin sometimes because I am praying constantly. And I think it was a habit developed on my mission. So, you know, before meals, before we leave the house, every time we get in the car, like we are constantly praying. And sometimes my husband will be like, we've already prayed tonight. (laughs) I'll be like, okay, well, (laughs) I really feel that having a continual open conversation with God is what gets me personally through every trial and every struggle and every joy as well in my life. It's because I understand that it's a relationship that is definitely two-way. And um, that is my personal reflex is always, always prayer. And I go to him even when I'm really angry. <laughs> and and I think that's okay because he's he takes my heart in that moment and softens it and molds it so I can hear what he has in store for me. Um, Vinny and I, my husband, were taking the emotional resilience class through the church a couple of months ago. And one of the invitations was to um, pray and ask Heavenly Father um, how he saw you, how he felt about you. And so I decided to take that opportunity to the temple. And in the celestial room is where I asked him that question and had that prayer. And it was a very beautiful experience. And it wasn't terribly long. Like I feel like it was a few sentences that I heard back, but it was so solidifying that I was his daughter. He saw these beautiful attributes in me that he gave me, he gifted me. And that helps me come back to it every time. If I get, if I'm struggling with something, I realize, no, you know what? He's given me this gift to get through it. Or he's told me that he's going to help me through it. And it's just prayer. I constantly come back to prayer. And one of the most Um, sacred experiences that we have in our retreats is when our the attendees they go off and they they give that same prayer Um, and I was a little nervous to implement that because not everyone is at the level of you know wanting to talk to God that I am at but it's the most sought after experience and I'm always told that I didn't give enough time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that hey, they wanted they wanted to continue that prayer and understand more about themselves. And so that is there's so many tools the Lord has given us to be able to get through difficult things, but prayer is always always the first step. I love that. So for you, I mean we know that is you implement prayer a lot, but um how do you help your kids or others know that they are children of God? Um, specific, talking about my children first, specifically, uh, my boys are neurodivergent. And throughout their life, things have been different. We've noticed that. But it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that we received their diagnoses of autism, among many other things. And that almost made it a little harder, especially for my oldest son, 
because he'd come to me and we'd have these conversations about, Mom, why am I this way? Like, why did Heavenly Father give me this struggle? Why is it so hard for me to control, you know, these behaviors that are make it difficult for him to have friends or hard in school? Why did he give me red hair? <laughs> talks a lot about that. His red hair is so epic. I know. And it's like, you know you would not get the attention if you did not have that red hair and you crave that attention. But we, um, we talk a lot about God giving us these circumstances or these traits for many reasons. Maybe it's um, for our growth. Maybe it's so they can be a light to someone else as well. And just talking about, Dom, think about it. Think about how much help you're going to be to other people who are going through these same circumstances. And you know Jesus. Like, you know him and you have him through what seems to be really hard to you. And you're going to be able to share that with other people. And he, it's, it's adorable because he has had opportunities where he goes, he's been with the missionaries to other children's house who are preparing for baptism, who also are autistic. And they can just talk on that same level, right? They're on that same plane. And so that's been a really beautiful way. Of course, um, always bringing it back to the scriptures. Scripture study is difficult. We get through like one to two verses at a time, but... At least you're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing it. And they will always, they will remember that they... They want to read the scriptures and they want to decipher the truth that is in them to understanding themselves. Um, so the author I was telling you about, Katrina Welch, my mentor, she that book I read about confident beauty it talks is, talks about image identities, and there are six different image identities, and what these are are descriptions of what a person's body and personality might look like and how that connects. And it's really accurate. It's kind of just crazy as you're reading about yourself to be like, I totally see myself in that. And it makes, and and that's what it's for me. Like, oh, it makes so much more sense. I'm like this for this reason. Um, but there's a children's book um, that she created as well. So even reading through that with my kids, they're like, oh, I'm this, I'm this dramatic gamine creative person like I have these talents that are and these personality traits that are different than these individual people and it's it's beautiful to have such a hands-on tool that they can see the differences and to also know that our identity is doesn't have to be um, defined by the world when we talk about image identities, sometimes people are concerned we're going to be talking about gender identities. And it's like, oh no, we go f- we go way before gender, like our yeah. spirit. We're talking about our spirit here and what we were created as. Okay, so I, I get to work with women a lot. I get to work with them in my church calling. I get to work with them in my job. I don't really get to work with them at home because we're all boys at home. My focus is on women a lot of time, even though at work I just started um, taking male clients as well. But the women struggle so much with um, a lot of times body image or feeling like they are broken or not good enough. Um, comparison is a huge factor in many women's lives. And so um, sometimes we'll just we'll just go outside. This is why I like to do this in Zion a lot of times and take a look around us and what what we see. And 
God could have created any world. It could have been dirt and rocks and sticks, and we could have still done what we need to do here on this earth. But he didn't do that. He created an absolutely amazing, gorgeous, ever-changing world. And the leaves could be green all year long, but he doesn't do that. He gives us the beauty of, of nature changing every year. And relating that to, to us as individuals, we could have been created in any simple way, but, but we weren't. We were, creating, we were created in the image of God. And as we start to recognize that everything around us is done in beauty and divinity, that of course, of course we were too. And if women have... Um, have a difficult time understanding that we just talk a lot about going back to your four-year-old self or if you have a daughter like what would you tell your daughter about your herself what how would you tell her she's a child of god and once they start having that conversation internally they realize it's something they knew all along and when they say it the spirit testifies of that and then the more they live it the spirit continues to strengthen that in them when we When we use our words carefully, they have so much power. God created the earth through word. And we can create um, so much happiness through our words as well, especially as they're centered on Jesus Christ. Sometimes um, as we're going through difficult circumstances with women, we talk about positive affirmations. And sometimes women say, this did not work for me. Like I cannot do a positive affirmation. And I say, okay, so we're going to say the affirmation again, and we're going to say, through Jesus Christ. So I am enough doesn't work for them, but I am enough with Jesus Christ changes the whole thing. And they realize their their power doesn't lie within themselves. Their power lies within Jesus Christ because that light of him is inside of them. And that's another confirmation that, yeah, they truly are children of God. And everything else can fall away our, our skills, our talents, our careers, children could be taken from us, you know, marriages could end. So mu- so whatever we decide to find ourselves as before could be taken away. But what never changes, no matter what, is that we are children of God. I love that so much. I, I think about that often and how the world wants us to say, I am enough. We're not. We're not enough without the Savior. And um, the world wants us to think of ourselves and think that we can turn inward and do it all on our own when in reality we can't. And so bringing it back into those terms is so beneficial that I am enough through Jesus Christ. He makes me enough. This last general conference, Elder Stevenson gave us this counsel, especially to the youth. He said, many of you start your day by standing in front of a mirror. Tomorrow, this week, this year, always, pause as you look at yourself in the mirror. Think to yourself or say aloud if you like, wow, look at me. I am awesome. I am a child of God. He knows me. He loves me. I am gifted. I have implemented that counsel throughout my life. And you might feel a little silly doing it at first, but I testify that it will immediately bring the spirit into your life and into your day. It will help you feel the power that comes from knowing the true foundation of your identity that will never change 
that you are a child of God. Something I like to say is the measure of our eternal perspective determines the perception of our self-worth. With the knowledge we have of our divine identity comes power that the adversary doesn't want us to have. He wants us to turn inward and to think of only ourselves. But when we remember who we are and the great power we possess being sons and daughters of God, the hardships of our daily lives become insignificant and allow us to turn outward, serve others, and experience true everlasting peace as we become representatives of Jesus Christ. One thing that I hear a lot of people say is in reference to whether they believe in a higher being or not. It seems like a lot of people say, um, are talking about their, their higher selves. And, and I feel like that is kind of a, a way for the adversary to try to get us to turn inward and, um, to just focus on, on ourselves again. It's like, we know that our higher self is heavenly father and is Jesus Christ. And so giving them that credit rather than giving ourselves that credit, allow us to possess that greater power. Oh, you're like right in my head. So this last year, I mean, through since I got into like the aesthetic industry and my past have always kind of crossed with the community of energy work and new age um, beliefs. And I feel like sometimes I felt myself like trying to understand it better. And but every time I'm always led back to seeing like God in it, like, okay, you might call it this but I know <laughs> what this really is. And even these last few weeks when I was in um, my training up in Canada that I did for more image training, um, there was still some sections on energy work and how you know we can move up through those levels of transformation. And there were three separate levels that she was discussing. And I was like, oh, I, I see those three separate levels. <laughs> I see celestial, terrestrial, and celestial beings. And um, I was like, we... If we just credit it to what it really is, then there's more power to it. Like, yes, becoming our better selves, our higher selves is absolutely what we should be seeking for, but we should also be seeking for it in the right way and the only way that we can really accomplish that, which is through Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I mentioned that. She's like, well, this transcends religions. And I was like, but it, yes, it might transcend religion, but not not eternal truth. Like this yeah. is eternal truth that it is only through Jesus Christ that we can be our highest, our best self because we are becoming more like him the closer we get to him. In answering one of the questions I gave you, what are things we can do to gain knowledge of our divine identity? It really is just delving into God's word, I think. You can't know truth if you're not reading or speaking truth to begin with. So if you, if someone needs to know about their, you know, who they truly are, they have to go to the source of all truth, which are, is the scriptures, the word of God. And I have a continual study going on of um, divine identity and confident beauty, how it relates to divine identity. And every time I find just more and more 
testimony in the scriptures of who we are. And I really, I really think that's, that's it. But also as we live those principles of the gospel, we see it more. I feel like throughout your life from when you were younger to now, do you feel like your percept, your perception of yourself has grown as you have come closer to Christ? Yeah. Oh yeah. I just, yeah. Like the journey depends on our relationship with Christ too. The testimony of us being divine individuals relies on that journey. But just thinking back to that that time for me when I really felt um, like I saw myself as a daughter of God. I had I had grown up in this church, so I was taught it, and I had experienced it, but not in such a powerful way until after my second child was born, and I I've um, came to understand through this program that I teach now. But I think what really did it for me was. I was holding on to all of this emotional baggage and trauma that I let define me. And it wasn't until I really just like gave it to Jesus Christ that I let it, like it all fell away. And again, what was left was just me and him and my identity as a daughter. And I kind of feel like it's been easier for me too. And, but the, and every time I, I might work with someone who's struggling with it, it comes back to, you really have to go to God. Like, I wish I could give you this. I wish I could, but it's not going to be up to me. It's going to be all up to you and your willingness to talk to the Lord, give him all of your hurts and your wounds so he can cleanse you of that. And so you can really see you of as who you are and also your potential because knowing that there is more after this life and it's a beautiful afterlife, helps us see that we were made for so much more and that the temporary struggles that we deal with are just that they are temporary and they will be made right and whole through Jesus Christ. It's so true. And we, we have to have those moments. We have to have those trials in order to come to that conclusion and, and have that trust in heavenly father that he's going to allow us to, experience the full measure of this world we're not earthly beings having a spiritual experience we're spiritual beings having an earthly experience and remembering that through our trials and remembering that god didn't give us these trials but he allowed us to have them in order to experience this world and and to gain this knowledge from a more pure standpoint so that we can eventually become like him. One of the things that I love so much and that I try to teach um, my children or I'm in primary right now and so in in primary or kids that I'm around is um, I ask my daughter all the time, who does Christ say is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And um, you know, at first she's like, well, probably adults. And I'm like, it's not adults. It's not celebrities. It's not people of power. It's children. It's, it's you. And really trying to drive that home to be like, you are, you as a child are the greatest in the kingdom of God, or you're the greatest to God. You're the most important to God. And 
bringing that back to all of us, we're all given that title as a son and daughter of God, as a child of God. And so even though we're not, you know, this little child anymore, we are still a child to him. And the fact that we give him the title of father and we have the title of son and a daughter, this most intimate um, and loving, unconditional relationship, um, the more it becomes real to us. And I think it's easier to understand, especially as you become a parent, the love that I have for my child, that is the love, if not exponentially more, that Christ and God has for me. Um, as you're talking about being children of God, it made me think about just children and their um, the attributes of children. So being very trusting, looking to their parents for instruction, um, being very innocent and moldable and I thought think that's really what it means to be a child of God is I mean amongst other things but letting God guide us letting him change our hearts and mold us and trusting him just completely and as we use that relationship as a parent-child relationship as like a truly healthy one then um he like the world of blessings opens up to us and he would shower us with everything like if we didn't have our agency right but he he needs us to come to him and to ask him for those things um i was remembering a talk by sister michelle d craig it's called what voices will you listen to and this is from August 2019, she says, the truth is there are times when each of us struggles to break free of the figurative layers of plaster or leg braces that are holding us back and keeping our beautiful spirits and inner strength from shining through. What do we do in those moments? Do we listen to the voices that tell us we're ugly or no good or can't measure up? And who do we choose to listen to? What are the voices we choose to listen to? And um, the prophet has been preparing us for years now to listen to the correct voice, to know how to hear him, to hear Christ. And that's that's what we need to do as children. We need to hear the voice that can guide us the best. Um, so something I started doing on my mission, because my companion would want to go to sleep a lot sooner than me, and I never got to journal because she would want the light off. <laughs> and so I would take my notebook while I was praying and try to remember things I wanted to journal for the night. But as I was praying and I had my notepad there, I started writing like all the thoughts that would come to me while I was praying. And in the morning, it was like all crooked and letters smushed together and it was hard to read. But I realized that I had just opened this like portal from heaven in this amazing way. And so it was something I continued to do and I still continue today. It's to write down the thoughts and feelings that come to me as I pray. And it has evolved over time where I've, you know, my understanding of the spirit is more fine-tuned. I'm able to hear it far more clearly than even back then. And it comes down to seeing this beautiful conversation between God and I that's recorded daily, which is another testament to me that I am his child. He wants to talk to me. He wants to guide me. He cares about the small, tiny things in my life. And that as I just take them to him, he continues to show me his hand. Um, and that is 
one of the most powerful things I've learned in my life is to to write out what I feel while praying because I wouldn't remember it for one, but I wouldn't also see that God speaks to me so clearly otherwise because I might think, oh, that's just that's just my thoughts. But the more I write them, the more comes and flows. The more that you're able to recognize that spirit. I, I love listening to experiences like that and people sharing those, you know, most personal interactions that they have with Heavenly Father that teach them that they're a child of God because that helps us know that we are a child of God and vice versa. The more that I learn that I'm a child of God, the more I know that the person who just caught me off in traffic is a child of God and they're loved too. And it's like, oh, I, I'm not as mad about that now because they are loved. Yeah, I feel like the Lord has really changed my heart over time and I really love it. I love the person I'm becoming because I see so much more the potential in everyone else around me. I see the love God has for them. And I feel like I've been blessed with that gift to feel how he feels about them as well. And that does change your entire perspective. That changes how you interact with the world around you and how you teach your children to do so as well. And it's it's that ripple effect too that we just, all of us can see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. I love so much that you said that, that you love the person that you are becoming. And I feel that often and I, I feel like prideful saying that but it's so important and and I think it's just kind of the world we live in that not a lot of people are going around saying things like that but it's like when we have that focus on Jesus Christ and bettering ourselves through him not not for our own personal gain but to further his work then we enjoy our lives more and we enjoy the people we are becoming and the people we are destined to become and truly harness that power that he has given us. Are there any last thoughts that you have? I sound sometimes like a broken record about prayer too, because don't, <laughs> it's everything I'd come back to. That's your, that's your I, spiritual gift. I, yeah, I feel like if I were one of those individuals speaking in conference, like every talk, mine would be like, prayer, prayer, It's not about airplanes. (laughs) Be like, oh my gosh, she's talking about prayer again. Like we haven't heard this a thousand times. Um, But really because throughout my entire life, um, it's just, it was through the spirit that I came to understand like God and Christ. And even going back to before my husband and I were married, um, I had been in this relationship that took me away from Christ, that took me away from even wanting to have children because my boyfriend at the time didn't want that. And I thought I wanted him more than a family and more than my faith. And that when that relationship ended, it was because of the strength I found in prayer to finally leave it. And what I found on the other side of that prayer was Vinny, my husband, and I really didn't think I deserved him at the time. And he, I always call him my second savior. Like my parents are also beyond Jesus Christ. They are my constant, my saviors. But Vinny was there too. He really showed me that I was a, a daughter of God because he treated me like that. He had found the gospel seven months before we met. 
And if he hadn't on that timeline, I would not have spent any time on him because I recognized that Christ was what I was going to put first. And the Lord knew, the Lord knew I needed that relationship to appreciate my husband. He knew that I needed to determine on my own to put Christ first. And so Vinny and I, we dated for two years. The plan was to get married. Vinny was coming up on an age where it was, he wasn't going to be able to serve a mission anyway. And I was falling in love. I would have married him in two months. <laughs> but he he felt the prompting to go on a mission. And that was probably the next most difficult thing I had ever dealt with was us not being married, like us being separated for what seemed like an eternity at the time. And while he was preparing for his mission, I was preparing to purchase this small spa in Ancestor Square here in St. George, which was like my dream. And I had a thought come to me, and I was not very in tune with the spirit yet at this time, but this thought was, if you buy the spa, you can't go on a mission. And I was like, so what? Like, never wanted to go on a mission in my entire life, so that's fine. And then it just kept working its way into my heart, and I realized okay, that's, that's my call. It's, I am called to serve the Lord. And I, you know, the scripture for me also was in Doctrine and Covenants that said, if you have a desire to serve, you're called to the work. And so on our missions, we, that was the hardest decision for us at that time, because we chose to put Christ first above our relationship, even though all of our priesthood leaders were encouraging us to get married. They said, you know, like, this is your next this is your mission in life is to start a family. But we felt like we needed to really fight to go on missions. And we did, because if we had not had those experiences as missionaries serving the Lord first above all else, we would not have the family dynamic that we do today that is centered in Christ that we so need with the challenges that we have as parents and of course as individuals. But, um, I don't know if you know this. He wrote me off twice on the mission. <laughs> How dare he? I know. And I was like, We all okay. saw you as a blessing to Vinny. <laughs> well, and he's like, I can't. He says, this is the hardest thing for me to do, but I feel like I need to like give you up. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. Just know that I know like we are going to be together forever. I didn't say that because I was kind of mad. But I, in my head, and I didn't write him for a while. <laughs> and then... Um, finally one day I was home off my mission and he wrote me and he said, I have never thought about praying about this before, but I prayed about it and I realized you are to be my wife. And I was like, you've never prayed about it. It's been like four years. Like, I, I knew this forever ago. And so <laughs> It's just so funny. It's like, yes, it was it was through prayer that I received this answer. But that experience was the most influential, and I think it will be throughout our entire lives and our children's lives to know that Christ comes first always. And when we do that, He has such a better plan for us, so much more than we could ever, ever imagine. Um, and so, because Christ put me first, I put him first as well. He chose he chose us out of the world, and it's just our chance now to choose him first as well. President Monson once said that he, if the Lord ever needed an errand run, he wanted the Lord to know that Tom Monson would always run that. 
And that's how, as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's going to be my whole life's goal is like, so I can just be on the Lord's errand. So I can be his hand. I can be his feet. I can be his mouthpiece. Because that's the whole purpose. That's why we're here. That's why we're here to bring people to Christ. Um, And we do that only first by coming to Christ ourselves. Thank you so much for coming and, and for, I, I love so much that you have made a, career and a a life out of serving Heavenly Father and being a representative of Jesus Christ and helping others, especially women, know who they truly are because that's so so important in, in the day that we live in. So thank you so much for coming and for sharing your amazing knowledge with us. You're just a beautiful person inside and out. Thanks for listening to the Christ First Podcast. Check back with us next Friday for a new episode.